Welcome to Friends with Cinefits. I am your host, Alex McAllister. Thank you for listening. This week, I am joined not only... He hasn't only been here one time. He hasn't only been here two times. This is the third time Mason Head is on the podcast. Mason, say hello. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be back. And, hey, I'm glad to have you back. Um, Some of my... Favorite recordings have been with you, so hopefully this one will be pretty fun as well. I'm hoping so as well. Um, Before we get into the movie and the movie that we're going to review, I do have an update on the future of the podcast because I'm going to make some changes, um, and I guess I'm going to explain those right now. So... Here we go. Mason, if you, so it's not just me talking. If you ever have anything to say, you got any feedback, let me know. We like to bounce ideas off of each other anyway, so I'm excited to hear your opinion on it. Um, All right, sounds good. So this is currently a weekly podcast. Not doing that anymore. Probably going to go to like monthly um, because how I watch movies is I'm not just like, opening up Netflix and, like, looking at the what's new. Um, I like to watch something, and then if I like it, I'm like, okay, what else has this director done? What else have these actors been in? What else is from this time period that's similar? And then watch all that. So there's been so many times, like, with this podcast, I'm like, man, I wish I could have, like, read this book, or I wish I could have watched all these movies by the director, and I can't. And that makes me real sad because like i'm like okay i gotta add these to my watch list and then the next week i just add more for the next movie i'm doing i don't like that so um gonna make it much longer between episodes so that i can watch more stuff um that will also like i don't have the the movie experience that i feel is necessary at this point like um, we're going to be doing a movie by Steven Spielberg and he's done so many big movies and I haven't seen a lot of them and I feel bad about that because they're like ones that you should obviously see. Um, so yeah, that's a change I'm making. And then also it's going to be l- less of movies I don't care about. Um, no offense to anyone, but (laughs) I've decided I'm going to have my friend Kane Dennis join as a co-host and it's going to be more of just us like discovering different genres and directors and types of films. So, um, probably are you going to stick to like one movie per episode? Are you going to do more of a like a director per episode or like a time period per episode. I think we're going to stick with a movie, but talk about that movie, like with the context of the director's work and, you know, other similar movies, I guess, um, from that time. Um, Gotcha. And so it won't really be me having a different friend on every week and saying like them picking the movie, but I do want like, um, Say say you see a movie you really love and you're like, Alex, we got to talk about it. Then we can record it and then 
you know, release those as like a one-off episode. Um, and then also Kane, he has his, um, movie review website, shot, reverse shot film.com. Check it out. Um, but since he's also a movie lover, I figured this would be a good experience for him to become a co-host on the podcast. And then if any of his friends would want to be on for like what we do now, then let him record an episode with his friends and upload it. So, um, it's mostly for us as hosts enjoyment and development, I guess, instead of, I don't know, like making sure that all my friends listen, but I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Like, um, this is going to spoil my opinions on the movie we're reviewing, but I was not excited at all to watch this. I kept dreading it and putting it off. And then I was like, yeah, I got to make some changes. Um, so and then, I'm the reason you're making changes. No, it was actually Austin Ramsey's the problem. No, I'm getting <laughs> like every episode. I don't know. Probably like the past, like, five or six or probably even more than that but like um me and my sister did jingle all the way and since then i've just been wanting to watch arnold schwarzenegger movies because Uh i loved i loved them in that and then like i watched total recall and loved it and i was like man i just want to watch like movies from that time period when he was a star and i don't know i haven't gotten to um and then you know, I did Akira, and I was like, man, that'd be really cool to read. Didn't read any of it, because I didn't have the time. And then me and Austin did Bonnie and Clyde last night, and I was like, oh, I want to do more stuff from this area from this era that was, like, very influential on the movie industry. So, um, most of these changes are for my enjoyment, so that I can, like, dive into more movies. Um... And, yeah, I hope everyone sticks around to listen, but I feel like we'll probably get much more pretentious, so I understand if not, but then again, I don't really care. My The biggest feedback I've received so far on the podcast is, like, you should do less um, of the, like, obscure movies and do more of, like, the mainstream ones. And I want to go the complete opposite direction. I don't want to be watching like Transformers movies and shit like that. I w- I'd rather watch foreign films or old movies. So that's where I'm going with it. And yeah, what what do you think about it, Mason? No, I think that's a I think that is a good thing because I don't think this podcast was meant for like financial gain or like. No fame or anything like that. I think it was just a passion project and Mm -hmm. you're not passionate about this, like certain really popular movies. You just don't like them, but you also are passionate about these random movies that no one's ever heard of that you, that (laughs) 90% of the population may not like, but you like, I mean, it's the same way with me. It's the same way with everybody. There's certain Mm -hmm. things that they like that other people don't like, but they're really passionate about it. And I think that, this is a good form of expression towards that. Wow. Thank you. And, um, yeah, I think Kane is the same way. So I'm excited to have him on. He's every interaction I've had with him, he's blown me away. So I'm really excited to have him on and 
joined in a co-host role. So, um, yeah, I guess that's all I got for the future of the podcast. Um, I don't know what we're doing next. I've talked to him about it and we both have a lot of like genres and directors and time periods that we aren't very knowledgeable of that we've heard are like really awesome. So, uh, me and him will get together and decide like, let's tackle this one first and then I'll announce it on Twitter at Cinefits pod. Um, in case anybody's curious what we're going to do next. Um, I'd like it to be more like a movie club where it's like, Hey, you guys should watch this too. And like, if you haven't seen stuff by the director, then watch it. But Hey, who knows what's going to happen? Okay. Mason, are you ready to get into the movie now? Absolutely. Last episode of a popular movie. Here we go. Yes. Well, sure. I guess it is popular (laughs) because it made money. Um, Meso, what movie are we talking about today? So we're talking about Ready Player One today. Yes, and I'm sure our friends might know our background with this movie, uh, but the listeners don't. Um, you want me to fill them in? Yeah, you can fill them in. I want to hear yours. Okay. Story. So, let's see. This came out in 2018, correct? Yes. So probably a little bit after it came out, I watched it. And I think I texted you and said that it was one of my re- favorite movies that I'd seen recently. Sure. Is, is what That's I, how you what remember said. it. Okay. I okay. remember it as you saying, this movie's awesome. You got to check it out. I love this movie. It's like my favorite movie. <laughs> okay. So whatever story that you would like to side with, you can make that decision. No, it's fine. Um, but... Alex took it as that, and it kind of came an inside joke of, that's my favorite movie of all time, and like I watch it constantly, and I love every aspect of it. He does? When Alex started the podcast, I think it was brought up like after the first or second episode, like, oh, you've got to be on Before the podcast started, it was Mason is going to be on for Ready Player One. Yeah, so now after however many episodes Alex has put this out, is we're episode finally 20. doing it. Okay, so yeah. episode 20. It took 20 episodes to get me back on for the third time to do it. But we're going to be discussing Ready Player One, my favorite movie. There you go. Um, and also, like, part of it stemmed from I watched it and was like, this is fucking terrible. Um, Mason, you're stupid. I hate you. Um not really. But me and you do not agree on a lot of things, but we're still very close friends, which is why I value our friendship a lot. Um, but, yeah, I guess we'll just dive into Ready Player One. How, how does that sound? Sounds good. Okay. Um, I'll give some of the background. Actually, I'm going to read the synopsis for it real quick. Um, like we said, this came out in 2018, Ready Player One, and it was directed by Steven Spielberg, so... When the creator of a virtual reality called the Oasis dies, he makes a posthumous challenge to all Oasis users to find his Easter egg, which will give the finder his fortune and control of his world. That's that's it. Um, Yeah, I think that's pretty good in terms of, like, leaving it up for the person to watch the movie because there's a lot more details on it. 
Mm -hmm. But at the same time, yeah, that's like you could probably read that. And for the people who like our movie, I don't want to say snobs, but like aficionados, I think that might be enough for them. Like they don't need to see that. They can just read that. Yeah. There you go. Um, So this has a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, which I feel is high. I feel is appropriate. Okay. Um, <laughs> the budget was $175 million, and the box office was $582.9 million. Um, so, yeah, this was a big movie. And I was concerned, like, whenever you're watching it, you see all the pop culture references um, just spewed on the screen. Um, and I was like, yeah, that is probably where a lot of the budget comes from. Not actually, um, since this was, uh, produced by Warner Brothers, they were pretty much able to use any Warner Brothers, I guess, um, intellectual property or whatever that they wanted. Um, and then they got some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not allowance, but... They were allowed to use some other, I guess, intellectual properties. I don't know what else to call them. Pop culture references, I guess. Uh Um, They were able to use those just by asking, and most people were like, oh, this is a Steven Spielberg movie that has a huge budget? Yeah, just throw whatever you want in there um, as long as it's not, like, derogative. Negative. Yeah, Yeah. whatever. Yeah. do you think they did that just because they were like, "Oh, it's a Steven Spielberg movie. Like, it's gonna become, it's gonna make our reference more popular." That's what it seemed like. Was like because Steven Spielberg. Um, I guess I can get into him now, but here's some of the movies he's done: Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the Indiana Jones movies, E.T., Jurassic Park, Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List. Those are all movies that he directed. He's one of the most successful directors of all time. And then when you look at movies he produced, it's also insane. Like, he produced the Back to the Future movies, um, the Transformers movies, which, you know, say what you will about them, they made a lot of money. So pretty much if he's involved with something, a lot of people are going to see it. Um, I don't know if that's true about, like, he did, like, The Adventures of Tintin and, like, the BFG. Um, what do you think? What do you think is his most like unsuccessful movie? Would you say it's this one or no? Well, this one was successful yeah. in a, like a monetary fashion, but what would say? What would you say his like most unsuccessful movie would be? I'm gonna look it up. Okay. And it can be in your opinion, or it can be like financially, or we could okay. just do both as well. So. He had The Adventures of Tintin, which I brought up, which it only made like $70 million in North America, which was disappointing for it, but it made over $300 million internationally. Jeez. So, yeah. And then um, he, like, since then he did War Horse, Lincoln, and Bridge of Spies, which... I think are less popular than like, you know, jaws and all that stuff. Um, but they all still like were 
nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. So um, they were high quality. Um, I guess Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, like the newest one, was not popularly received, but it still made over $300 million. Um, The VFG did not do well. Um, the budget was $140 million, and box office total was only $195 million. Um, so that one probably lost money once you factor in like marketing and stuff. Um, seems like most of his movies since... I think he took a break, um, probably like early two thousands to like twenty ten. You know, um, since then, his movies haven't been that good, other than his like uh, Bridge of Spies, Postman, Lincoln, those um, that were like nominated for Best Picture, but like. It seems the ones he like the BFG and Tintin and Ready Player One were all like heavy on visual effects, and I don't know if people uh-huh. really liked that. Um, I don't know. I think that's one of my I think that's one of my main points about the movie um, to why it was successful is that like people nowadays like I, you like you care about plot. And mm-hmm. like character development, and I'll be the first one to say that like the character development in this movie is kind of trash. Yeah. But there's a bunch of action. There's a bunch of visual stuff that like is pleasing to the eye, and mm-hmm. I think that people like some people don't need more than that to enjoy a movie. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I do kind of want to get into the book real quick because okay, it has also been panned by like people that aren't just there for the pop culture um but like people that i don't know study english and stuff they said um it's not very well written and once you just get past like the pop culture references and all that stuff it's not that great like the plot is normally just like, oh, and then he does this Easter egg from this video game or something, and then it everything's fine. Um, and he doesn't have, like... The book doesn't have original solutions to problems and stuff like that. Um, but it was written by Ernest Klein in 2011. Have you seen a picture of Ernest Klein? I have not. It looks like a fucking loser. Um <laughs> I know that he was he was tasked in writing the script for the movie as well, I yeah. believe. Um, so. Him and I think his name's Zach Penn um, co-wrote it. And I do have a funny quote that he, the author said about Steven Spielberg about a possible sequel because Ernest Klein just released Ready Player Two, the sequel, um, in November of 2020 to much worse reviews. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so Ready Player One, it didn't get great reviews, but it, it was very polarizing. Like people either loved it or they hated it. Ready Player Two, it was either, you know, it's all right or they hated it. 
Okay. Um, I have I have not read. I've read Ready Player One, but or I've I've listened to an audiobook, but yeah. I've I've not done anything with Ready Player Two yet. But I'll yeah. probably like it. Okay. Well, so Ernest Klein, the author, said about Steven Spielberg. He said, uh, in regards to a sequel. I don't know if Spielberg would want to dive back in because he already would know what he was getting into. Which, <laughs> <laughs> so in and of itself, he's saying he almost fooled Spielberg to be in the movie. Yeah, the first time. like <laughs> it's like yeah, he already knows what he's getting into. Where he he wouldn't come back, you know. Which I mean, it was probably I mean Spielberg said it was a very difficult production. Um, like normally in movies, they said you'd meet thirty minutes a week for visual effects. In this, it was you know three one-hour meetings a week just on visual effects, um, which sounds tedious. So this the book. There was actually a podcast I started listening to, but I didn't have enough time. Of course, um, there's a podcast. That's called- why the new. Yeah. system of once a month will work okay exactly people, i know you i know you want it once a week but this is what we need <laughs> thanks meso um so there's a podcast called 372 pages we'll never get back um, oh my god <laughs> where they just went through uh the book ready player one and kind of reviewed it and they said this was kind of their overview of it um repetitive and excessive pop culture references in place of descriptive writing. And then Vox magazine said, this is where I feel like I'm going to be attacking you. This isn't me. Don't take it personally. They said only things that affect straight white dudes really matter in the book. Um, (laughs) So I haven't read the book. I don't know if that's accurate, but I thought it was a funny quote and I did want to attack you. That's that's fine. I'm just trying to think. So it said only things that affect straight white dudes matter yeah, in the book. Which I yeah, I, it didn't really have like that was from Wikipedia. Whenever it's talking about like the reviews it got, um, uh-huh. I was kind of surprised by that because like whenever I was reading about the book, like the author made it a point to like the character of H like um, make her not just be an actual white dude not just because it's funny like when is the reveal or whatever uh, but you know like so it's, you don't just have a cast of all white people um, yeah so I don't know maybe it's just the main character or something um, I, so yeah. so I, uh, I was like recommended from a YouTube video to yeah. read the book so I ended up like getting it on audible and listening mm-hmm. to it I never actually read it so I don't know if that like makes a difference from like hearing it to reading it, but I enjoyed the book. Mm-hmm. I thought it honestly like the reason why I like the movie is because I like the book more than the movie. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe a reason why I like the book so much is I'm like very into like 70s, 80s, 90s culture mm-hmm. in terms of like fashion and basically mm-hmm. just like I think it would be more fun to live in that time than it mm-hmm. is today. So maybe that's why, like, I'm obsessed with just all the references and I don't need plot development and, like, more intricate, like, issues for the characters to overcome. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with just, like, a novel that just has a bunch of pop culture references and is kind of a little action-adventure-y type thing. Mm-hmm. That, that's where I kind of stand on that. Yeah, and 
I will say one thing, and I was um, guilty of it too, was you told me to watch this, and going into it, I knew I was not going to like it. Like, I prepped myself to not like it, and then I watched it and was, you know, just, I was still like, yeah, this sucks. And that's what a lot of reviews about the movie that I've read have been like. Like, um, I think I only read three reviews on the movie, and each one started with, yeah, going into this, I knew I wasn't going to like it, but I figured I'd give it a shot, and yeah, it sucked. And, like, yeah, I was guilty of that the first time. I think I was just being negative and watched it. And then this time when I watched it, I actually liked it more than I did the first time. Like, once now that I know what it is, it's more fun to just sit back and be like, okay, like, don't watch this for the sake of, like, don't watch this for the artwork that a movie is. Watch it for the entertainment that a movie is. That's I think that's a very good description of it. Yeah. I think that it's a very entertaining film, mm-hmm. but it may not be a very artistic film. Yeah. Um, but I, I read a – there was an article on Verge.com uh, called okay. Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One Improves Immensely on the Book. <laughs> okay. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, that is very – that's a very different opinion from Alex's opinion. And it's honestly a different opinion from mine as well yeah. because – I think the book is better than the movie, and mm-hmm. that's why I like the movie, and you just don't like either, or you haven't read the book. Yeah, I haven't read the book. Leaning towards not liking it. Mm-hmm. But it did say that a reason why some people don't like the book is because it turns what could be one sentence about his, an example they used is his car mm-hmm. that he like made. It turned what could have been a sentence into a paragraph by just throwing in endless numbers of pop culture references and I think that plays into the 372 pages that we couldn't get back is people like okay. didn't want all that but I'm fine with it like I like it all so. so my favorite book of all time is the East of Eden and it does that like I don't know it'll describe something like I think the whole first chapter is just describing like the area that they live in but it's like super detailed and I like that stuff um so and like east of eden's known as like one of the best the greatest novels of all time so i don't know i like i'm i'm just i don't think that that's always a bad thing but maybe in the form of like pop culture references where you're doing it with non-original content like you're just like copy uh, and pasting it yeah something that already is created yeah yeah then maybe that's where the issue with the book would pop up um the issues I've seen with the book is just like the characters and the plot and I guess the writing isn't great unless you're like if I read this in 2011 when I was 14 I probably would have loved it like that's probably when I was reading like the Percy Jackson books and like yes yeah was deep into it um then yeah I probably would have been like all about it but I didn't and so now that I'm older and like I see that it's probably just, you know, trying to take all the fame from the other stuff and then use that to make money or whatever, I'm just, you know, I don't I can't appreciate it, I guess. Uh-huh. To me, I kind of saw it as 
it came out in 2011 and it's making a bunch of 70s, 80s, 90s references. I kind of saw mm-hmm. it as not taking the fame from something that's already been created, but almost spreading the fame to a new generation that may not understand okay. the references and they may have to do a little bit more work to it to like mm-hmm. understand the references. Uh, and then they could, hey, I found a new movie that I like or there's a video game that I never heard of like and to kind of get into that so I kind of took it from that because there was a few that I didn't understand as well until I like looked it up and I was like oh okay that's where that comes from yeah there was stuff in the movie that I like added to my watch list because I was like I just don't understand that reference I'm going to add it like the um oh man his like the suit he dresses up in is like something bonsai oh yeah bon- uh, buckaroo bonsai yeah I'd never even heard of that so yeah, I was like, yeah I. I'm gonna add that to my watch list just so I know. Um, uh, and I guess before we get more into the plot, um, I'll just talk about some of the cast in this because it's everyone in this movie pretty much has been like, oh yeah, I've seen that person in something. Um, so it's kind of cool. So the main character is Ty Sheridan and he plays Wade Watts. Um, I guess the lead actor, if I say it like that, the lead actor is Ty Sheridan as Wade Watts. Um, he's mostly been in the X-Men universe since I think 2016 as Cyclops. Um, so pretty much the bad movies he's been Cyclops in. Um, and he got his debut in mud. Have you seen mud? I have seen mud. It's awesome. I yeah, I've heard good things. I just haven't. Um, I'm just a huge Matthew McConaughey guy. So yep, and any movie I like, even Dark Tower, which is not a good movie. <laughs> there you go. Um, the other person is Olivia Cook as Artemis. I knew her from Bates Motel. Did you ever watch that? Like the first season. Yeah, I think that's all I got. It was cool, and then I think we got rid of cable or whatever, so I couldn't watch yeah. it. Um, and then she was in the horror movie Ouija, about the Ouija board. Um, and she's going to be in House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones spinoff. Is that spinoff a movie or a... I think it's going to be a series. Series. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have not seen any Game of Thrones. So. I think you'd like it. I tried the... I, tr- I watched the first episode one time because Lance Ingebrand suggested it to me. Yeah. And I fell asleep in the first episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, next, we have Ben Mendelsohn. He plays... Um, I Sorrento. Didn't write. Yeah, Sorrento. Um, he was in Rogue One as like one of the bad dudes, uh, which I love Rogue One. And then he plays Talos in Captain Marvel. So he's. I have you seen Captain Marvel? Yeah, it's horrible. Wow, I liked it. Um, he's the oh, okay. he's the alien that like befriends them or something. The green okay. alien guy. Um, and then I wanted to shout out one person in particular, uh, Lena Wath or Waith as H. Um, she is in Master of None on Netflix. Check it out. It's my favorite. TV series ever, so check out Master of None. Um, and then there's other people that are well known in this: Simon Pegg, Mark Rylance, and then the piece of shit T.J. Miller. Hey, do you like him? You can't like him as a person. He's a real bad dude. 
Oh, is he? I, I, yeah. I didn't know it. Okay, I didn't know, but I <laughs> like his movies and stuff. I thought he was funny, but now I guess I don't. No, he, like, um, he beat up an Uber driver once and, like, got arrested for it. He is accused of, like, sexual assault, I think, multiple oh, wow. times. okay. And then he called in a bomb threat at an airport, like, just as a joke. Like, Jeez. Yeah. What a shitty dude. Like, he called okay. in on a lady. And so wow. he's in trouble for that and, like, faces prison, but... Yeah, I just... I Like, I like him in Deadpool. Yeah. I, I think he's a funny, like, side character in Deadpool. So when I, I heard the voice and I was like, oh, who's that? I looked it up and I was like, oh, like, that's why he's kind of the funny character in this movie. is because mm-hmm. he's just a naturally, like, funny character in every movie. Yeah. But now that I know that he's a kind of a scumbag, I... Exactly. It kind of... Um, I watched Silicon Valley with him and like uh-huh. I liked his character and then after it came out um, one of the actresses in it was like no like he's a douchebag like he was very rude very aggressive to women and stuff like that and he his response to it was like she's just utilizing the Me Too movement to like take advantage of my fame or something and I don't know like Sure, that could happen, but I I would rather, you know, side with the person who hasn't been arrested multiple times for violent crimes and stuff like that. So, yeah, T.J. Miller. uh, They also pulled him off of... He's in How to Train Your Dragon, um, and it was something else. They just, like, pulled him off of everything after the bomb threat fiasco. Because, like, Uh that's not cool, dude. Um and yeah, I guess that's all the pre-movie stuff that I wanted to talk about. Do you are you ready to get into the movie? Yes, that's my favorite part about this place. Okay, is the movie. Uh, so, my first question I want to ask you. I brought it up be- before when we were talking, but we didn't want to spoil it. The best scene in this movie is the shining scene, and that's because it's less of the stupid video game shit and like hey just do this really simple task that it's taken five years for anyone to find out it's less of that and it's more like this is a spooky haunted house just survive it and it's also a callback to one of my favorite movies since you were on for the shitball shining episode as gabe says uh gabe would call it how do you feel like watching the shining impacted your experience of watching ready player one I act, when I like watched it the first time. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen The Shining, so it's just like, oh, like I'd heard of it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't put the references together. But this last night when I watched it, it was actually I think I liked Ready Player One more and The Shining a little bit more because I could connect them together. Yeah, like the two girls in the hallway and then the <laughs> naked lady who turns into like the zombie or dead mm-hmm. body kind of thing. And just all the blood and like all the little references, mm-hmm. I think it added a little bit more to each movie because I'd seen them both now. Good. That's why I still don't like The Shining. Let me put that out there. Fuck you. I know that all <laughs> the people who listen to this podcast who love movies hate me for it, but I don't like The Shining. Oh my god, it's so good. I, I'll put it on record that I fell asleep two times during The Shining. Wow. Every time it like starts to snow, I'm like. Man, I just need a big snow, and then I gotta watch The Shining. Um, 
I don't know. It feels like a, a big snowy movie. Uh, anyways, that's enough for The Shine. If you guys want to hear about The Shining, go check out our episode where I have to defend the importance of The Shining to... We're, yeah, we're doing a little flip-flop tips. here. Because the last time we were on, Alex had to defend that the movie. So now we're going to do a little bit of me defending the movie. Yeah, and before that, we both loved the movie with Get Out. So... Yeah, so we're getting all yeah. three of differences on of our opinions here. Oh, uh, now we need to do one in the future that we both hate. That, that's going to be very hard to find. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. Um, but anyways, cool. I just wanted to bring up The Shining because I loved it. Um, so this movie, like we said, it's a VR world i guess it's actually post-apocalyptic is set in 2045 i think um in columbus ohio and they everything looks shitty and gray um until they they win at the very end of the movie then for some reason all the trailers get super brighter and stuff even after you know they just like change the hue of everything but really? Hey, I didn't yeah. notice that. It, everything just looks like brighter and more reflective than like the first time it shows like uh-huh. all the trailers, the stacks, I think they call them. Um, everything's just gray except that one lady has flowers, I think. Um, they paint but, a very uh, different picture in the like the opening of the book. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more of like after war like post-apocalyptic starving no food no jobs like abandoned Mm -hmm. cities sort of thing which i think the picture that they paint in the movie is more just like overcrowding population wise and like everybody's kind of gone to the oasis for Mm -hmm. everything when so that's kind of a i'm confused by the world because they have the IOI, which are the bad guys, and so I guess essentially Mark Rylance's character, um, Halliday, he died. He created the VR thing. He died, and he was like, "Hey, instead of like giving this to this evil guy, or um, we're go- Sorrento, uh, we're going to set out a bunch of Easter eggs, and whoever finds the Easter eggs gets to own the Oasis." Um, so then they become a millionaire or whatever, control it, control the future, that type of stuff. And so everyone just like drops what they're doing and tries to, I guess, do the Easter eggs to become the leader or they go and work for like IOI and like help IOI to find the Easter egg so that IOI can control it. Um, does that sound like a good description? Yeah, no, that's, yeah I'd say that's about the uh gist of things the people who are like searching for the easter eggs there was like a ton to start off like right when he died everybody flooded to the oasis to try to find it but it was so difficult um that eventually after so many years there's just like a certain group they call like the gunters which is like the egg hunters um they're like the ones that are dedicated to it when everybody else has kind of just like trickled off so it's like the gunters versus ioi in a race towards the Easter egg. So I guess my question was like, we don't see anything in this entire world other than the VR, IOI, 
And then at the end, police show up, which police didn't show up when the IOI fucking destroyed the stacks. Like, they murdered people, and police yeah. didn't show up. Um, and then also, like, it did, like, a flashback when Halliday died and was, like, showing, like, did that video where he's like, hey, guys, I've hidden some Easter eggs. Go check them out. Um, they did a flashback of that, and it was, like, kids in schools, like, people in the office and stuff like that and then like the rest of the movie none of that's there so like what's going on in everything outside of like these characters like why it makes me think the vr world is much less important than it actually is if there's like still people going to school still people having their jobs like what do they do like the movie makes it seem like oh there is no None of that stuff. Like, there's just this virtual world, and everyone's fighting to be a part of it. But I guess the, yeah, that's it, not there's the case. a lot of plot. Ho- there's a lot of plot holes in terms of like what happens in the outside world. Yeah, because they focus it so much on the Oasis. Uh, the book, Wade, and like all the other kids basically mm-hmm. go to school in the Oasis. Yeah, like they. It's it's such a bad environment outside in the actual world that they all attend high school in the Oasis. Mm-hmm. Um, and like there's a public school system that was developed in the Oasis for people to get their education and whatnot. So yeah, there's a lot of like, and you'd think with these two massive companies making, cause it's like over a trillion dollars yeah. to like win this Easter egg. You'd think that they could get things going a little bit economically outside of the Oasis, which yeah. is some, you know, like just create some jobs or like whatever, which I know like ioi does create jobs but they do it in such a way where you're like locked in and like basically mm-hmm. trapped uh but i think when you mentioned about how the police show up at the end uh but they don't show up when they blow up the stacks the movie does a bad job in terms of explaining that but the book prefaces that the stacks just are so shoddy and like have mm-hmm. bad like power and bad like gas lines and everything that explosions like happen quite a bit mm. like in the stack so when that one explodes he sorrento's like no one's gonna care about yeah. a stack explosion because it happens all the time due to just accidents okay. instead of them so it does a bad job at explaining it and there he's just like oh let's put a bomb underneath this and, and get away with it which makes no sense you'd think that especially when the police show up at the yeah. end that the police would have showed up then mm-hmm which also like why did the police show up at the end like i guess the guy had he was driving there to go kill freaking wade watts i guess but like yeah how is i don't know just one guy shooting another guy different from i don't know an explosion in the stacks like yeah sorrento pulling the gun at the end i know that this is kind of jumping to the end but it's so cheesy yeah it really is I, even the first time I watched it, I'm like, okay, this this random CEO who would still have millions of dollars even yeah. if he lost this Easter egg is going to risk everything by pulling a gun in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was the only like it's the only time anything outside of, in the real world happened, and he's just like holding the pistol, and I'm like, okay, yeah, it the, doesn't really make much sense. I guess I like the the VR aspect of the movie like that type of plot but once you get into like the real world stuff i don't think it was executed well enough to like really care i agree 
Um, so one character I do want to touch on is Artemis or Samantha, as we find out. Um, I liked her in this, and I think she definitely should have won the competition more than Wade because she's like, I don't know. I felt she was much better at everything and actually being a hero. Um, yeah. And instead, they just kind of like present her to Wade as a trophy. I feel like. Like. And they put they put such an emphasis on having just random pop culture knowledge. Yeah. Like w- Wade definitely has the most knowledge of that type of, uh, you know, of those references, Mm -hmm. but is he actually a hero and an actual, like, I don't know, outside of just knowing that stuff, is he actually Mm -hmm. a hero? I think Artemis is the one who is more intelligent because Wade is like, meets Artemis and then within three days is like, I love you. And I'm like, okay. Before they even met in real life. And also like, she was like, no, you don't, you don't even know me. You don't know what I look like. And then it Uh turns out, Oh, she has this mark on her face. And, like, that's the only issue. Like, that's why he shouldn't love her. It's like, no, you guys barely fucking know each other. It's not because you have a scar on your face. It's because, like, yeah. you guys don't, you don't know, know anything other. outside of you guys talking pop culture and talking this one thing. Yeah. Like, I, it's that. The relationship it's, definitely didn't work for me. Yeah. It, I think, like, I, I, every movie's a love story. I'll roll with that theory until the rest of my life. But okay. so, like, they had to throw the, the love in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's very, I, it's the progression of it is so weird. But I do yeah. think the reason why I kind of like it is because, in some ways, the movie portrays, like, our society, like, pretty well with. It's just like an it's an advanced version because mm-hmm. we're starting to like uh, in 2021 we're starting to have really intricate virtual reality like rigs and stuff mm-hmm. and like we're progressing to where we can almost do what they do and people are falling in love in quotations online and not knowing yeah. anything about these people that happens so and people are escaping especially like during quarantine and stuff people are, are trying to escape the real world like everybody in they like the movie is by going into video games or virtual reality or anything like that so i think there's parallels to like yeah. today and the movie that kind of line up really well yeah definitely thank you for pointing that out um so i had a pretty big issue with the first easter egg um Okay, actually, this whole movie just over-explains everything. Like, the 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 beginning scene is just the Ty Sheridan character, uh, Wade Watts, like, narrating. He's like, oh, this is what we do in the Oasis. This is how you get money. If you die, you don't actually die in real life, but, I don't know, you lose your money, and so you gotta start over. And then he's like, this is this Halliday guy. This is what happened with him. And then these are the, now we're trying to hunt Easter eggs. It's like, I don't know how else they could have done it, but I, I just hate over explaining in the movies and whenever I'm watching a movie. And then, um, like once they get an Easter egg, like he goes to that, um, like live video library or whatever. Um, and he's watching memories of Halliday. And, like, the the one he goes to, he's like, you know, I wish we didn't always have to go forward. I wish we could go backwards. Like, sometimes just go backwards, like, really fast. 
and just never stopped going backwards. And I was just like, yeah, that is the most obvious hint I've ever heard. <laughs> and Ty Sheridan's and like, wait a minute. And there's supposedly <laughs> IOI hires people to research everything. Like people have supposedly watched that. Like the, the Butler guy was like, Oh, are you back to watch this video a thousandth for the thousandth time? And uh-huh. he's like, yeah. How have you seen that a thousand times and not known? Like maybe he means like to go backwards. I've played Squiggly's Playhouse in high school and there's this racing game. I don't know what it was, but you could get a DeLorean in there. Um, and you start out, you go backwards, and it sends you through this loop, and you like it sends you around, and then you go out in front of the people that went forwards. It's like an Easter egg. And so literally, if you're starting a video game, I'm rambling now because I'm pissed off. Um, if you're starting a video game that's like a side-scroller or something, like even Mario... You gotta go backwards. To you see always test got. the backwards. Yeah, you gotta go backwards. How did no one think of that? They played every video game ever. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it, the, the race is very like that's when I my whole point on like the movie is entertaining because the race is visually appealing. Yeah, like there's cool scenes like the monster truck is rolling over the cars and he like swings by and picks up coins from like the dead car that like mm-hmm. fills his gas tank up and that's like a cool scene and like Kong is going through and there's like metal wrecking balls the Akira so I think the bike se- yes yeah like yeah. there's a bunch of cool different things but yeah the the concept of it is so dumb because like mm-hmm. you've got thousands of these people racing every single day multiple times a day and nobody is just going to say screw it and floor it backwards yeah one day the, like, the book um sorry go on it goes from the movie is like you got to find three keys mm-hmm. the book is like three keys and three gates so mm-hmm. it already in the movie condenses down the plot quite a bit and like by half of it but the first key i don't know all the different keys and gates but like there's no race in the book whatsoever yeah. so it they they i think they were like oh what is going to be more visually appealing the first key all he does is like go to I think it's another a Dungeons high school. and Dragons thing. Right? Yeah, he goes yeah. to another high school because he doesn't have money to travel to these different um, like planets and stuff. But mm-hmm. he can go to his high school like games for free. Mm-hmm. So one of the teams of his high school is playing at another planet. So he just takes a bus there and walks off into the woods, and that's where it is. And he plays like a Dungeon and Dragons thing and wins it, which mm-hmm. you can talk about in a book better than you can show it. So yeah. They had to have like been like, okay, the race is going to be cooler, and it's going to—it's mm-hmm. just not a word, but you know what I'm saying. But so that's Which, why they did it. I mean, the race is very entertaining, but the I like the first race when it's them like trying to make it to the end—that's yeah. entertaining. But once it's like, oh, there's an Easter egg, and it's to go backwards. It's just like, okay, that's fucking stupid. Like, how did no one try that? If it's If you give everyone, like, unlimited time and you're like, okay, you have to find an Easter egg and it's part of this race, you're telling me people aren't just, like, searching every single corner? Like, I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely a lot less actual skill involved in the Easter egg hunt and more just, oh, I can pick up on this one reference and it's going to win me the thing. Yeah. Like it, there, it would be different if it actually was. Oh, you have to be the best race car driver 
You have to go off this certain angle to get past Kong. Yeah. And it's a super, super tight angle that you that most people can't do. And it's super, super difficult to get to it. But no, it's just once you go backwards, it's not even hard to go, like to win the race. All you yeah. do is just go backwards and you're underneath the whole thing. Exactly. So, Which the guy says when he's doing it, like, oh, I, I've hidden these three keys, like these three Easter eggs. So why do people think it's the same thing? It's the same exact thing that happens at the end of the movie with that video game. Like the IOI person plays it to beat the game. And it's like, you're not playing to beat the game. You're playing to find an Easter egg. Like why was everyone in that race trying to win the race? It just, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me when the guy's like, I've hidden these Easter eggs. If you're playing a game, the Easter egg's not going to be to win the game you know like exactly yeah just like how in like call of duty zombies the easter egg is having those people dance with the coffin like yeah after the dance is over guess what you just get something cool you don't win the game yeah so i don't see yeah especially you like you learn from experience you think they wouldn't be at the end of the movie you, they wouldn't be trying to win the game still after mm-hmm. they have realized that oh it's about easter eggs exactly there's a lot of plot holes i'll be the first one to admit it so Mm -hmm. um so the other thing i wanted to touch on was i guess um halliday's relationship to the simon Pegg character and that girlfriend i guess we should touch on um Mm -hmm. do you know simon Pegg's character's name i don't he's just simon (laughs) Pegg to me i is it, Simon Pegg is with it an Ogden, American accent. It's Ogden yeah. Morrow and Holiday. Yeah, so yeah. Ogden. Okay. Ogden and Holiday were like best bros. They started this world. Um, I guess Holiday was the the technical Steve Jobs type. Um, and then Ogden was the businessman. And then Sorrento was their assistant. Like, I don't know. He mm-hmm. got their coffee. Intern kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Ogden and Halliday were they were just two bros and Ogden's like, Hey dude, how'd that thing go with that girl last night? And he's like, Oh, she wanted to go dancing, so instead we went and saw a movie and then eventually Ogden ends up marrying her instead of Halliday. Um I don't know if they go into why other than like Halliday didn't make a move but mm-hmm. like yeah, he fucking sucked. Like, she wanted to go dancing, and you took her to a movie. Like, of course she didn't want to stay with you. Like, yeah, I don't know. You kind of sucked. And then I guess a big part of the plot was that he never kissed her, which, I don't know, I think that's stupid. Like, just because, think- you, just because you kiss her doesn't mean, like, you guys would have been together. Like, you yeah. still kind of sucked. And I definitely don't think it was like a scumbag move on Moro's part yeah. to like end up marrying her. Because they said years down the line. Yeah, so, exactly. And um, he kind of cut, they had kind of parted ways for like the most part of it, like down the line. They didn't talk as much. They were like, they were still kind of partners, but they kind of separated relationship wise. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he, Moro marrying her was like some douchebag move. I think it just happened to go that way. But going back on the Sorrento scene where he, like, was going to get his coffee, I don't like Sorrento, but I thought that Mm -hmm. scene was kind of out of place because he was pitching his, pitching the boss, uh, Halliday, a pretty decent idea. Yeah. Like, he was talking about the different tiers. Yeah. Yeah. 
which I know is like all money wise and like that, that that was probably not what Halliday was originally going for when he developed mm-hmm. the game. But I thought it was kind of ridiculous that he was just like pitching him the idea and he was like, go get me some coffee. Yeah. Like Halliday was a real dick about it. Just be like, yeah, you can literally just say, I, you know, Halliday wasn't a people person. They make sure to make him act like he's not. Um, mm-hmm. But he could have just said like, you know, we're not in this to make money. Like this is an escape for people. We're here to make a game and that's what we're going to do. Like, Gaggers would make money, but while I'm in charge, we're not going to do that. And instead, he's just like, yeah, dude, go get me some fucking coffee. And I don't know. That might be why Sorrento's a dick now, because he's like, I have all these ideas, and like, the guy in charge just won't even listen to him. He's just mean. He just wants me to get his coffee. Yeah, uh, I can definitely see how that would have created a little bit of like anger and wanting to like get yeah. back at him and win the easter egg and take over like i know all of it <laughs> maybe if not all to of the his point of ideas are money murder. related that's definitely i'm yeah i'm also concerned by like they said the oasis is like number one and ioi was number two as like wealthiest companies if they didn't like implement those plans like how does the oasis have money like they have to be doing something strategic to be making money other yeah. than just everyone's like oh this is cool let's try it out because like i don't know you got to have like a business idea behind it got to like have marketing. like a monthly membership or yeah pay, pay to play like things or upgrades or stuff like yeah, that. yeah other so than it, just like hardware and yeah i don't know in other than in-game currency because like that's not going to keep them running on the outside so i don't know we're. I feel like we're nitpicking, but oh well. Like, it's I mean, the stuff that's stuck out. You don't like the movie, so. I. Yeah, I don't like it. I. I hope I don't have to watch it again. Um, I will say, after watching it last night, like I think that maybe be the f- fourth or fifth time I've seen I'm it. I'm sorry. And. <laughs> I have no desire to see it again in the next year. Okay. Like, if that makes sense. Like, it's... it. The, the more I've watched it, the more I'm like, okay. Yeah. This is... This is this was a good movie when I saw it because I enjoyed it at the time. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that I could watch every month. Because mm-hmm. there's movies that I have that I could watch every month. And this is just not one of them. Yeah. At the time. Um... I I was wondering who like who do you think this movie is for? Because it it has a lot of older references. Um like there's a lot of them that I wouldn't understand or like now that I'm getting into movies I'm trying to watch them. Um but like it has older references but there's not a lot of like substance there so it makes me think it's for kids but yeah i definitely think it's for like early teenagers okay because they throw in all this action and stuff on top of the references and i i think if you're just as a teen just watching the movie these references are just going to go in one ear out the other and Mm -hmm. all you're going to be focused on is the explosions and the battles and like stuff like that and so i I was i Sorry, go on. Yeah, I, I think that that's around the 
age range. And I think the reason why they threw in all those references, obviously it goes along with the book, but then the parents who are taking the kids to the movie mm-hmm. can pick up on those as well and maybe That's enjoy true. them. Because I think I enjoyed more of the references and like the little tidbits more than just the plot itself and like mm. the action and stuff. I think, okay, first I'm going to hit on who I thought it was for. For some reason, I'm silly. I was just like, it can either be kids, adults, or really old people. I was like, well, it'd have to be kids. But it doesn't do anywhere near as good of a job as, like, the Lego movie or Wreck-It Ralph do. But Mm -hmm. if this is for, you know, teenagers, um, yeah, I can see that. It has, like, that additional level of grittiness, I guess, um, that would make it for teenagers. And then I... I didn't really like the references if they didn't have anything to do with the plot. Like, the Iron Giant was cool because they ended up using it. Like, uh-huh. But, I don't know, at one point I think it just has, like, um, Master Chief or something just running um, from Halo. And, like, he doesn't add anything to the plot. I think it would have been cool to have more, like, especially in their big battle scene, more one-offs that were, like important for those references or like those characters like i don't know a lot about halo but like just do a quick like 20 second clip of him doing something that like he did in the video game but it's yeah. to an ioi person like that i think that would have made the references be more important but instead like there were just so many of them that weren't important that i was just like who cares like just get who needs this other than it's just there for the sake of it to be there. Yeah, I I, I liked him. I had no problem with him. Like mm-hmm. I liked seeing Master Chief, and I liked to see the other video games get thrown in, and like the Millennium Falcon and the Iron Giant, like all the little other things that get thrown into it. But I can see where they were just like, let's just basically not word vomit, but like mm-hmm. the like reference vomit, just during this massive battle, we'll just spew as much video game characters into this thing as at one time and then wrap it all up into with some explosions and put a bow on it with them mm-hmm. winning. And, um, one other thing is I think it would have been cool if the, the bad guys in the VR world were actually references that like we know. Cause like the, Sorrento, I don't know who his avatar is. I don't know if that's a real person. Do you? Like nah, a real character? I think his avatar is just him, like, but beefier. Yeah, and it's literally just, like, textbook bad guy. Like, I don't know. Is But yeah, if big, you could have had him dude suit. be I, Darth Vader or something, like, yeah. you know, that would have added a lot. Or even, like, T.J. Miller's character was just, like, this big hulking guy that had like a skull for a belly or something. And he's like, okay, I get that, but make him be, I don't know, another bad guy. I don't know. I can't think of a bad guy. I think it would have, if they, if those two characters would have been identifiable bad guys, it would have been cool. But I think that it kind of showed with all the other IOI, like avatars just being numbered. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think it showed the fact that, if they got a hold of the Oasis, it would 
they would take okay. away the creativity aspect. That's what I got. From I get it. that. It's like they would they would rip the creativity away. Everybody would literally be the same, look the same, and I think that's why people went to the Oasis is to be different if they wanted yeah. to be. Okay, I get that. I I like that feedback. Um, I gotta think. I've kind of hit on. I guess my all the stuff I had written down that I wanted to talk about, so we can talk about the actual plot now, or okay. if you have anything important that you're just like, hey, let's talk about this, um, bring it up. What, I, I what wanted to ask, if you were in the Oasis, what character would you choose to be? Because when the, I first watched it, I was like, that would be actually so sick to yeah. be able to like be, to like transplant a random character from one of your favorite games into Mm -hmm. another one of your favorite games. That's so why do some people, I guess it's probably just preference. Um, but like some people, the main character, Wade Watts, you know, he's just this weird looking avatar that he created and can like change. And then other people are Beetlejuice or whatever. Um, Uh So I I wasn't sure if there's like a hey if I'm a main character I have to be a nondescript actual av you know like a nondescript avatar or uh-huh. if I'm a background character I can be anyone um, I probably I don't think I'd be anyone from something like a pop culture reference I'd probably just make my own like weird like octopus dude um, or something like that. What about you? I was deba- I like debated on being just like a random character from Star Wars, like mm-hmm. not like a not like a main character, but just like be my own person, but pick like a different type of race that is okay. in Star Wars, or yeah. be like an elf from Lord of the Rings. That would That'd be cool, dude. That I got my four K uh, Lord of the Rings extended editions yesterday. Twelve hours and nineteen minutes. Of Lord of the Rings in 4K, I'm very excited. I love Lord of the Rings. Um, it's so good. Yeah, I said like an octopus, but I'm thinking I'd be a corn dog octopus or something. You know, it'd be yeah. like a corn dog, but then I got octopus legs. I don't know. Uh, in the book, Wade is just like a a normal character, mm-hmm. um, but I think Artemis, uh, her character goes. I think I agree even more with your aspect of like artemis should have won or like artemis was the better character because especially in the book she picks more of like a average looking girl Mm -hmm. like in terms of body features and look Mm -hmm. when they describe in the in the book that most of the girls are very like busty and like unproportionate like yeah the video game characters yeah video game character type woman but Mm -hmm. she is more down to earth picks just a average looking like Mm -hmm girl so i that it kind of tends more to like she's actually intelligent and like yeah not not expecting too much and that sort of thing that's what like i get it wade is supposed to be the hero or whatever but he wouldn't have found any of the keys if it wasn't for her like it's it every single time it was stuff she said or stuff she did that would make it click for him or like the second key she did it all herself um yeah. So, like, I don't know. I'd, I would have loved it 
much more if it was her winning it like at the end or something like him just being like you know like you've done all the work you should get this instead she says that to him she's like you're the one that deserves it this is your destiny it's like come on is it because she's actually part of like the resistance in the outside world that's what i was about to to speak on she's trying to do more than just win the egg She's trying to improve the outside world. And Wade is literally just like, oh, let's go from my crappy apartment down to my little gaming setup and play games all day. Yeah. Um, which, uh, so her, Artemis, her character's name is Samantha also um, in the real world. And she's in like this resistance group against IOI because IOI, I guess... Um, They'll buy out people's debt, and so it's like, hey, you have to pay us back now instead of whoever you paid, you know, um, like my student loans. They could buy up my student loans and then be like, hey, you owe us now. Since you're overdue or whatever, you're going into our, I I don't remember what they called them, is like a shelter or something, but it was literally just these boxes where you have to work for them in the um the oasis and then that'll pay off some of your debt and then you just have to i guess live there until it's done and her dad got sick and died in there and so she blames oasis or not oasis ioi and is like hey like these things are unethical we're going to find this easter egg so that we have money and can put ioi out of business so more people don't get hurt like, that's an inspiring background for a character instead of Wade yeah. Watts, who's just like, yeah, my parents died, and so I live with... He He said his aunt once, and then after that he referred to her as his mom's sister, which I thought was weird. Oh, interesting, yeah. Yeah, I think he Cause did until, until until Because until the stack blows up um, and, and she dies, he has no reason, like, beyond, yeah. beyond monetary gain. To, exactly. to win the thing. Uh, so and it's more like, of a I I also feel the the death of his aunt and uncle or whatever, his aunt and her boyfriend, I think, um isn't really important. Like It is definitely them, brushed through very quickly. Yeah, and like our brief experiences with those characters were very negative. Like they weren't nice people. Um Yeah. And so when they die, like I, you're not sad for them like you're just like ah oh, man like that bad guy literally just murdered a bunch of innocent people like that's in the book he they develop the characters around his apartment a little bit more yeah and there's like a really friendly older lady which is probably like the lady with the flowers that he sees yeah. at the very beginning to where like she gives him some food sometimes when he's like climbing down the stacks mm. and he talks to her when they're like, he's not w- wanting to be at an apartment. Mm-hmm. So when they, when the stack blows up, she also dies. So mm-hmm. there's more like grief involved there because he actually has a good relationship with that lady who acted more like his aunt than his actual aunt did. Yeah. So how, it develops. how do you think it would have been different if, um, so I just watched like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. Like if his aunt and uncle were like his aunt May and uncle Ben are in Spider-Man, like if they had that relationship, 
wouldn't it have been like a much more disturbing thing when they died like not just for him but for us as viewers like yeah absolutely i don't know why or they it, made them be like abusive and stuff yeah. like that because it just doesn't or matter. even if his parents kind of like were like batman's parents to where like they died in a way that was more impactful to him yeah it would cause him to have a little bit more of a like perseverance to win this thing mm-hmm but, but it's just kind of monetary gain until they blow up. Yeah. Um, and then I I guess how they win it, they just like, um, I don't know. I, I thought the ending was kind of boring. Like there's a big fight or whatever, but like plot wise, it was just the girl sneaking around a lot and doing the hero work. And then um, Wade Watts gives a, cheesy speech and then they fight she like brings down that orb of protection and then they go fight and he does the uh the easter egg of the last game that IOI couldn't do and then it's just like hey dude you won um yeah how'd you I feel think... about sorry go on uh like more uh Moro shows up in the end and I think that was kind of cool um, in terms of like making an appearance and sh- like being there kind of thing. But I thought the ending was kind of lackluster as well. Yeah. I was going to ask what your opinion on the, uh, like the scene where they're in Halliday's like childhood home or whatever. Um, how you felt about that? Cause I guess it gave, it did give more, meaning to the Halliday character and I guess like is that when you realize like oh his his regrets about life weren't about the woman really it was about like his relationship with Ogden Morrow I guess uh-huh. um, like I did kind of like that scene but I don't I didn't really like the Halliday character like they just dumbed him down way too much yeah in and, the book, he's much more of an intricate human, and like mm-hmm. they show his decline a little bit more than just him being a very like non-personable type yeah. guy. So it's definitely and like Moro is a nice guy. There's no reason why mm-hmm. he should be angry with him, but they separate over some differences. But it's not yeah. Moro's fault. So yeah, I like from. Also, whenever I was looking at, like, the reviews, everyone started out negative and was like, I'm going to hate this movie, and then they ended up hating it. But they all were like, the saving grace in this movie is Mark Rylance, like, the holiday character. And I was like, I hated that part. Like, anytime he was on the screen, I was just like, dude, quit talking. Like, that's not how... I work in IT, so I'm around a lot of introverts. That's not how many people are, like... That guy uh-huh. could barely even form sentences when talking to people that made sense. Yeah. I don't know the, if it's supposed to show his genius book, or what. The book definitely does a better job of showing how serious it is that if IOI were to win. Mm-hmm. Um, like Wade is actually like fat in the book and like not, you know, just automatically like the, the hero. So mm-hmm. he... 
he has to like spend time like working out like on his tracksuit and like mm. getting like slim and they end up ioi like kills daito or show mm-hmm. i can't remember which one but they like he, he those are those characters daito and show are also in the hunt for the egg and they're like in the top five and they're friends um and ioi like comes in the real world grabs him out of his haptic suit and throws him out the window in the book and and, and so and like uh frames it as suicide mm-hmm. and so it's it puts more of a urgency to winning to it and like has some more background to winning it than it does in yeah. the movie and i think um. that would have added more to the ending if you were like doing it in the honor of the fact that one of your brethren yeah, was definitely. thrown out the window kind of thing. Um, real quick, since you brought up those characters, um, which one was the like 11 year old show? I believe. Okay. That's what I thought. So when they're like hanging out and they're driving around looking for Samantha, cause she like escaped, they're in that vehicle. Um, and they find her, They're like, Oh, that has to be her. And then they bring her in. And she's like, "Wait, you must be show." And he's like, "And he's like, yeah, so what? I'm 11." And then she's like, "Come on, dude, give me a hug." And it's like, "You guys aren't even friends." Like, she knows Wade and kind of H. Mm-hmm. And then he's friends with those guys. I don't even know if she ever met them before. Then, other than like, um, I think when they went to The Shining, they were there, and then they like split off immediately. But like. I don't know. I thought it was weird when she's like, "Come on, dude, give me a hug," uh-huh. and and I was like, "Do they know each other that well? Like, why would you hug some that person? Like, just be like, oh, you're 11. That's cool." I think what they tried to do is like connect the book and the movie like too much, and mm-hmm. the movie didn't show the aspects that the book did because in the book, the, that top five, like those five characters are more of like a team and like they help each other mm-hmm. out and ob- obviously there's six things that they have to do rather than three. Yeah. So they try to throw in that they become of a team and get to know each other by, oh, give me a hug when the average watcher doesn't know that they well, are of a team in the book. In the movie, thing. they also make it a point to say like they're not clanned up. Like yeah, they yeah. all are solo. And then they're like, yeah, we're all hanging out together but we're still solo and then at the very end they're like no we're actually this group i don't remember what the name was but i thought it was stupid um they like gave themselves a name or something yeah i wouldn't have caught it not for sure i wouldn't have caught it unless like i had subtitles on and it capitalized two words that i was like why are those words capitalized and i was like oh i guess that's what they call themselves um and then there was one good thing I that I did like about the ending was whenever they won and like uh, were in charge of the Oasis he was like we closed it on Tuesdays and Thursdays so people could focus on the real world and it's like that's pretty cool yeah. I like I can appreciate that because I don't know most people wouldn't have done that and so that's I guess their one good thing to humanity that they did other than close down like the IOI things but um get people out of the freaking virtual world could you imagine if on tuesdays and thursdays covid wasn't a thing it'd be great (laughs) it'd be pretty cool it'd be awesome 
Yeah. But uh, I also think that the character of Iraq like is very random in the movie. Which one's that? The the big scary guy that like he that Sorrento goes oh, to. TJ Miller. Yeah. Yeah, TJ Miller. It's like you just go to this random guy like it, it, no no character development, no nothing. And the in the book it's completely different. Like Really? He is a gunter himself. Oh. But he's like he's like the the douchebag gunter that nobody really likes. Mm. That tries to hang out with Wade and H all the time. And okay. it doesn't end up working for Sorrento whatsoever. Like he's just the douchebag gunter that like tries to get the egg himself. It's yeah. very like it, he does try to like blackmail him and stuff, but nothing mm. to the point of working with Sorrento. Hmm. I think that would have been much cooler yeah. to have in the movie. Um, but yeah, I guess they weren't really focused on character development, so it makes sense. No, absolutely why they... not. <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah. Um, also, I, this is the last thing I want to touch on. Um, they made a big deal of uh, Holiday not kissing that one girl. And so I guess what they were trying to do for Wade was a type of character development where he's like, oh, I'm not going to make the same mistake, but you're a completely different person. Like maybe if you were the same guy and like earlier you made a mistake where you were too afraid to commit and then later on it, it came back to bite you and then you have a chance to redeem yourself. Yeah. But this one he's, they made a big point of like, this is his character development He's not going to make the same mistake that this other guy made years and years ago. And then it also ended up being that wasn't even his regret. Like his regret wasn't not kissing her. It was like his regret was not teaming up with Simon Pegg for longer or whatever it was. Uh-huh. Um, so I just Especially because like that was ha- Halliday is like an introvert, not very good looking, like all yeah. this. And Wade is a young guy, pretty good looking. Like, just won it all. Like, mm-hmm. could probably get any girl he wanted to at that point. Yeah. So, I, yeah. why, why I don't even know. put that in there? They also, like, three times he would try to kiss her and then someone would interrupt. Like, you can do that once. Maybe twice for comedic effect. <laughs> but the third time, it's just like, okay, we get it. Like, they he like wants to other. kiss her. Yeah. And people are doing something. And now he's got to say No. I have to kiss her now. And I don't know. It was stupid, I thought. But um, Do you have anything else you want to touch on? I guess I do have one more thing, but it's not related to the plot at all. Uh, so, coming from the original, like, between me and you, inside joke. Yeah. Do you think you liked the movie more or less? Yeah, I liked like it more this time. Um, I definitely, like... I went through that period where I thought it was cool to like not like stuff. Uh-huh. And then like I don't know, if if you'd tell me you like something then I'd watch it and like I wasn't a huge fan, I'd be like, No, I hated it, like you're stupid. And now like I know that everything I don't like, people don't like, like everybody's different. So I just went into it wanting to hate it and then I came out of it 
hating it more than I did, I guess, just because I thought it was cool to hate stuff. Um, and then now I'm just like, yeah, it's fun. Um, it's not something I'd watch on my own for no reason, but I, I liked that I could go watch it again and realize like how I have developed, I guess, because I'm not that the same person that I once was. So, yeah, I think it's a movie that you can watch and appreciate for what it is Mm -hmm. and also can appreciate for what it isn't or like can critique it for what it isn't. I should say. Yeah. Like, I think this is the perfect movie like for this type of podcast, like, um, to talk about because yeah, it's, it made a bunch of money. It's popular and, all that stuff, but it definitely has its flaws that can be discussed and it's fun to talk about. So, um, yeah, I liked it. Do you think with views, has your appreciation for it gone up, gone down, stayed the same? In all honesty, like it's probably gone down just a little bit. Okay. And I, and maybe that's just because it's like an overload of Mm -hmm. seeing it. So Mm -hmm. like I've seen it probably four or five times now. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think it's one of those movies that is not a rewatchable one. And I think rewatching has caused me to kind of lower the tier a little bit. Okay. Do you think talking about it has affected it? Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cause normally when I watch it, when I watch movies, I just sit down and I kind of just like escape into the movie mm-hmm. and if it's a super intricate movie, then I'm thinking super intricate. If it's like Ready Player One, where it's not very intricate uh, in terms of plot line, mm-hmm. I just escape into it and just watch the explosions and like yeah. stuff like that. And so sitting down last night watching it, I'm sitting down watching it for a podcast, which I watched uh, Get Out, I watched The Shining, and I mm-hmm. watched this one differently than I have ever watched movies before. Yeah. So... Preparing for a podcast has definitely changed my views on it Mm -hmm. than Um, a normal viewer would have. um, So the last thing I want to touch on is the the pop culture references. Um, We've named a bunch of them like Beetlejuice, Iron Giant, Back to the Future, King Kong, Akira. Those are all the ones I can think of. Bucker Um, Banzai. Yeah. Master Chief. uh, They didn't get all that they wanted. So they said they got about 80% of, you know, the characters that they wanted to be in. And there were two that I was going to touch on. They originally didn't want the iron giant. Um, they just wanted Ultraman. Have you ever heard of Ultraman? I have not. Yeah. It's, I guess another like hulking, uh, robot thing. I think it's, uh, Japanese. Um, they fight with Japanese, big Japanese robots in the book. Okay. Yeah, so they, they had, um oh, God, uh, Gong- Gondom or whatever in the movie, um, uh-huh. which is another, I think, Japanese. I don't really know what Gondom is. Um, but, yeah, they wanted Ultraman instead of the Iron Giant, and, like, they just weren't interested. They were just like, nah, we're good, like, you guys can't use this. And so they went with the Iron Giant, which I think is definitely the right play because, like, in America, the Iron Giant is definitely more popular. Like, yeah. It, the Iron Giant lost a bunch of money, 
But I think now you could just show someone the Iron Giant and a lot of people know like who that is. Um, yeah. And then the other one was they wanted a Blade Runner reference. They actually wanted like a much larger, not just, you know, a vehicle from Blade Runner, like in the background, they wanted it to be part of the plot. Um, but Blade Runner 2049 was coming out and they were like, Hey, we're not sure how this is going to affect our movie. Like if people will see Blade Runner in your movie and think, um, you know, that's my Blade Runner for the next 20 years. I don't need to go see the new Blade Runner, you know, stuff like that. Uh And so they were like, yeah, we're, we're not interested. And so they just didn't do that. Um, but Blade Runner 2049 lost a lot of money. So maybe it would have been smart for them to like throw that in there and then people be like, oh, that was pretty cool. Like, what's Blade Runner? And then they're like, oh, a new movie just came out about it. I'll check it out. Um, but yeah, that didn't work out for Blade Runner. So there you go. Um, those were the only two that I wanted to touch on. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap it up? No giraffes. Yeah, no giraffes. Which is just, I mean, a shame. There's a, there's got to be somewhere you could throw a giraffe in. Dude, there's a giraffe in like the first episode, and I've just been waiting ever since then to like boost a point for giraffes. No. Yeah, and out of all the movies, you could have easily in that big war just like thrown a giraffe in the back. Really? Like, you're throwing everything else in the mix. Just throw a giraffe in the back. Okay, I would now be a giraffe with a corn dog for a neck. A um, octopus legs as legs, and then my head. I'll have this like laser beam that I shoot out of my eye. Excellent. Yeah, that's a pretty badass. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so Meso, let's do. How would you rate this movie on a scale of one to three? I've been thinking about this a lot, honestly, like this whole morning, <laughs> because right off the bat, when I knew that I was coming on here, I was like, I think I'm going to give it a three. But then I thought about other people and they'd be like, oh, this fucking moron is giving it a three. <laughs> so I'm going to, and I can't do halvesies with nope. Alex's scale. So I'm going to get, but the bad thing is, is I hate The Shining and I gave it a one with the hopes of it being a two one day for me. Yeah. So if I put this one on the same level as The Shining as a two, then what, what am I? Like I'm not genuine. So I'm giving this one a three and saying, screw all the other people. Wow. This guy's favorite movie in the entire world <laughs> is Ready Player One. You wow. should put that. You should put that in the tweet of advertising yeah. this. Be like, join us to listen to and tag me and put his favorite movie. I have then, um, your text from last night, and you were just like, you said it's my favorite in all caps movie. So I'm pumped, and I was gonna screenshot that and post it on Twitter and be like, yes, what movie could we be talking about? Find out tomorrow. <laughs> yes. What would you give it? I think I'm still going to give it a one. Um, 
I wanted to give it a two because I liked it more than I did the first time. Uh-huh. But I don't know. There's there's still a lot of like actual problems with it. It's fun, yeah, but I don't know. I don't plan I'll, on ever watching yeah. it again. I'll preface my rating with this. After the first time I watched it when I texted you way back in 2018 about it, <laughs> I would give it a three. But after watching it for the podcast in yeah. a podcast setting, I would give it a two. So that's what I'll, I'll that's what I'll do. That sounds just like you're cheating and giving it two and a half. Okay, I'm giving it a three. <laughs> Screw everybody else. It's really good. Go watch it. Can I suggest a movie as well for people yeah. to watch? Sure. Um, I don't know why anybody would listen to me because my movie preferences are pretty that's garbage. True. But. If anybody has Apple TV, go watch the movie Palmer with Justin Timberlake uh, in it. He's the main character, and I don't really know much the other actors. Uh, they're not, like, super, super well-known. But it's very, very good. It's way better than Ready Player One. It's, a, it's very good. Go watch it. But it's basically... I'll read the synopsis for the people if they're yeah, interested. I know. Dean Winters is in it. I know Dean Winters. I think he's the mayhem guy. I could Ryder, be wrong. Ryder the guy that looks like him. is the other character. His mm-hmm. name is Sam in the movie, and he's probably around eleven or twelve. Um, and he mm-hmm. is like it's his first role. But the synopsis is: after twelve years in prison, former high school football star Eddie Palmer returns home to put his life to get back together, and forms an unlikely bond with Sam, an outcast boy from a troubled home. But Eddie's past threatens to ruin his new life and family. It's there very you good. Go. Yeah, that sounds good to you. Go check it out. It does have 4% better on Rotten Tomatoes than Ready Player One. Hey. There you go. Um, my recommendation is going to just be... Uh, we'll go with the Lego movie. Um, just because they're similar. But If you I want, a better, if you want a better movie, version of Ready Player One... Go yeah. watch the Lego movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, that or Wreck-It Ralph, but I'm just going to stick with the Lego movie because I feel like it's more mainstream, I guess. I don't know. Um, so, like I said, I already gave the update, so I'm not sure what we're going to be doing next, but um, I'll announce it. You'll see it when it comes out. I'm going to be moving in like a week and a half or two weeks or something, so... I was going to need a break anyway, so this is fitting in real nice. Um, Meso, the the airwaves are yours. Promote everything you got. And, dude, thanks for coming. It was a blast. I had a lot of fun. Um, this is the part where I shamelessly plug my life. But I'm going to switch things up. Go. Uh, I have a, I have an Instagram page. It's called Valley Vintage Company. I sell vintage clothing. Go check it out when you uh, are have time. It's go give it a follow. I'll let's do let's do a little something here. It'll promote Alex's podcast and the page. If you mention if you DM me the word giraffe on my vintage page, I'll give you twenty percent off if you want to purchase anything. So that holy means if you cow, holy that giraffe. means if you want if you listen through the podcast, which will help Alex and it'll help my business. Mention giraffe in my DMs and you'll get 20% off. 
<laughs> there you go. Mason, um, I'm not sure how many we'll get because I don't know if anyone listens to this. I don't long. know if anybody looks at my page. Um, we both have passion projects <laughs> that I don't know how successful they are. But we got some we got there some Super go. Bowl stuff uh, on the site right now. Got some more stuff coming, so that'll be probably a week old because uh, this will come out like a week after the Super Bowl. We got some IU and Purdue stuff and some Kentucky stuff coming out soon. So I know that'll hit some hit some uh, things that people like. So and DM me if you, you want to talk fashion. If you have some advice, I've been working on a blog. Uh, just gonna go more into depth about fashion in general. So if you are interested, if you need some help, if you need some advice, if you want to talk, just DM me. I'm interested to talk with anybody. So. Yeah, he's a very lonely guy. So just. <laughs> I'm I'm, I, it's 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 funny, but it's true. <laughs> I said last night to Gabe. I said, if you don't have a relationship when you're 24 or you're not an alcoholic, some things get lonely. Because I'm like, <laughs> in a relationship, That'll you happen. basically like 75 percent of the time you have somebody to hang out with. And then if you're an alcoholic, yeah. you have other friends that are alcoholics. So, Also, quarantine doesn't Quarantine doesn't help. help. I was like uh, in my bed last night. It was Friday at 930, which granted I was watching a movie, but still. <laughs> my roommate yesterday is like 4.18 p.m. He's like, I think I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> I was like, no. I was like, no, you can't do that. Like, yeah, it's a Friday night, but like you'll just wake up at 2 a.m. and be like, well, what do yeah, I do and now? you'll be wrecked for the entire weekend. Exactly, and then yeah, I, I freaking at like one a.m. last night he was still up, so he didn't end up going to bed. Um, All right, last last thing important. before we sign off. This is a day before the Super Bowl. Movies aren't about sports, but let's do a little quick Super Bowl prediction. Okay, we'll, we'll do we'll do winner and score. Oh, I'm gonna I'm um, gonna go. Do you know what the over-under is? I don't at all. Do, do you want me to look it up to give you like a ballpark? Uh, I'll, sure, yeah. Or I can... Oh, I can. No. Let's see here. Um, the over-under is F- at 55 and a half. Okay. So I am going to go... Um, you'll know to... to I'm going to go 27-23... Okay, um, I'm gonna go thirty-one to nine Buccaneers. I want the Chiefs to win. I'll be the first one to say that. So yeah, I do too. I, I but we'll we'll just we'll end the podcast with that. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited for go. the future. Um, I will be interested in coming on for one of a more of a intellectual movie. That you suggest to me because okay. I suggested this one to you, and I know you didn't like it. So I will, I will, be, I will come on for something random that I've never heard of before. Awesome. We'll have to. I'm sure Kane and I will be working out the kinks in the coming weeks and I guess months since uh, we're doing less often. But I'm excited for it, and yeah, I hope I hope you'll listen along and start watching the movies we talk about. But, hey, if not, oh well. So, yeah, thanks for joining, everybody. Thank you for listening. And peace. Peace.